Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. You guys know how on Apple phones, I mean iPhones. I was like, what is an Apple phone? Oh, I a love an thing? Apple phone. <laughs> on iPhones, you can do the setting time limits for certain apps. So you can yeah. set time limits for social media apps. So like a week ago, I just thought, you know, I'm going to be more self-disciplined in how I use my phone and my screen time. So I set a limit for social media. I ignored it every day. Yeah. I would just push ignore limit for today. Ignore limit for today. And it it was like a good reminder, but I'm like, man, this is so evident that I am addicted to my phone right now and I really yeah, need seriously. to work on it. I I, I have those phases. reminders on mine too. And yeah. like the little hourglass flips over. Yep. But anyways, today we are getting into part two of our screen time episodes. And last time we kind of talked about how we don't need to take a doomsday approach to screens. And we are going to build off of that today by talking a little more about that, talking about the dangers that phones can bring to us and our kids, how to set limits, and really just how to parent around that big thing. Mm -hmm. It's a big parenting issue right now. Yes, it's huge. So the thing I've worked a lot with a lot of teens and phones were part of our treatment, um, phones and media in general, because Netflix is also like a huge thing for teens right now. Um, I think they watch more Netflix than me, which is incredible because I watch a lot. (laughs) So (laughs) the way that I taught it to parents was, so we, I mean, me, KJ and Taylor, we all were before social media. Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't get texting until the very end of my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. So I made it all the way through high school without texting. So we're like, I would tell my clients, I'm like, I am like the last year before (laughs) everyone knew, like just had texting and stuff, you know? And so back in the day, if I was in high school and I had this boyfriend that I loved and cherished and he broke up with me, I would have to, you know, maybe see him in that one class that we had together every other day. And it would be really heart wrenching. But then on the weekend, I could go hang out with my friends and try and forget about him and move on with my life. Right. But what happens now with these kids is they break up with their boyfriend and then immediately they get on social media and look, there he is with this other girl. Oh, he just commented on this person's post. Oh, he's doing this on Snapchat. Oh, okay. What do I need to do to reciprocate? I need to pretend like I'm fine or I need to comment on his post and put him down or I need to do whatever. And so it's like they have all this anxiety basically just in this phone that they put in their pocket and they carry around with them all day long. And so it really is something that we need to help our children 
monitor for themselves because you can't just not just be like, well, you can, you can say no phones, no screens, no nothing, but I promise they're going to get on it no matter what. And so you really want to teach them to have a healthy relationship instead of feeling like that phone is anxiety in their pocket, make it like a powerful tool that they can use for good things and whatnot, rather than just like, oh, everything is awful. Because really, the phone opens us up to a huge, huge world. Obviously, we can connect with anyone in the whole world, literally. And we weren't built to be able to handle that much. Your kids are literally walking around with this intense anxiety and depression in their pocket. Like, they're sitting in class and they're feeling those vibrates. And if they aren't, then they're starting to get anxious, like, but I posted right before this class. So why isn't anyone commenting or liking it or, you know, and they're not paying attention anymore because they're paying attention to that anxiety. Anyways, that's just like how I teach parents to understand it. Like these kids really are dealing with a more broad scope of life than they can really handle at that time or really that any of us can handle because we weren't built that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is crazy to me. Like the way you, said that, that is true. There are so many things that make me anxious about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we were kind of of the generation where Facebook had barely started. We started with MySpace. And oh, even yeah. then, it was pretty innocent, but even then it was like you had your top eight and you had to pick what friends yes. you were going to put in oh, your top eight. Yeah, I forgot. Or you could change it to like a top four and that and there was music there was like yes. music that you put on yes. your page and oh. yeah there was my mom made me delete mine shout out to my mom yeah Dude, she thought someone like, was gonna come and kill me they so. were dodgy for sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mine was literally my name was jessica the spanish o neater like wonder <sighs> like from that thing from you, the that you do. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the i was like mom no one is gonna be able to find me from this but she made me delete it oh yeah mama bodily coming through even that even that created drama and so Mm -hmm. to think about all these apps that kids have they're so connected to everything and Mm -hmm. they can easily become connected to things that are dangerous for them Yeah. yeah so let's talk about just some of the tough stuff about screens and what our kids can have access to. So I thought I would maybe just share uh, some apps that parents can be aware of and we can kind of talk through those and what things our kids can be exposed to in those different apps. The first couple that I wanted to mention are apps that are disguised as something else. Mm -hmm. So you have a hip which stands for Hide It Pro. And the cover of it has like two little music notes on it. So it disguises itself to make it look like it's just a music app. But really, it's to hide photos and videos and texts and like things from other apps. It's a way that people can just hang all of that stuff from view. Um, So you can like drag and drop files into that app. And another one that does that is Calculator Plus. So it looks like... Never trust an app called Calculator Plus. What is the plus? You're a calculator. Right. It's posing as a calculator app, but uh, 
It's like a little green calculator, uh, if anybody's seen it. But it, it essentially does the same thing. It like reveals photos, contacts, passwords, browser history, and you have to put in a, like a password to see all that stuff. So even if you saw that stuff on your kid's phone, it's password protected. And then Snapchat's pretty well known. It's the app that you can send pictures and videos from and they delete after a certain amount of time. And you can have messages on there, like private messaging that deletes unless you save it. And I've also heard, and I haven't looked into this too much, that Snapchat has a vault, which is like... I've heard even, that too. Yeah, kind of like a deeper level of of hidden stuff. Omegle, it's not an app, but it's like a... You can type omegle.com into a browser, and then you get connected to a stranger. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, it... It's crazy. Like, it's just a chat room, and there's tons mm-hmm. of them. Like, Meet Me is one that I've heard of, Blender, Hala. There's tons of them. Tinder is, yeah, you know. Say, I feel like that's one of the greatest risks yeah. it, that I saw with my clients was them meeting people that they did not know in real life on social media, mm-hmm. be ha- like having a relationship of some kind with this person. Yeah. And then they just had no idea who this person was. So they would often be dating these people. Yes. And yeah. maybe they were great people just like them. Who knows? You know, but most of the time, like all of my clients that got solicited for nudes, which were a lot of my clients, um, they were solicited by friends of friends. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh, so-and-so can vouch for them, but they still, it was not a good connection. Or mm-hmm. it was people that... They had no, they didn't know them at all. And they met them through one of these like meet me apps, you know? And so it really, I think that that is one of the biggest dangers Mm -hmm. for these kids is that they just really feel like they are connecting to a person. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that that person can be anyone because that person seems genuine. Yeah. Yeah. But they might not be. Yeah. And And you have to think about like motivation. Like why are they reaching out to somebody that they don't even know? You know, know, right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's where, that where coming from? it comes back to build a strong attachment, mm-hmm. <laughs> build strong in-person relationships. And then we don't need to go to our phones and to strangers yeah. to feel heard and connected because we feel mm-hmm. heard by people in our life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's probably stemming from that loneliness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another couple of things just to make note of kick, I feel like is... That one I do, kids do use. Yep. Another thing to be aware of is Instagram. Uh, Instagram, everybody has that. But one thing that can be kind of common with teens is that they will have a Finsta account, which is a fake Insta account. So they'll have one account that their parents follow, their parents' friends, and then they'll have this other account that they keep very locked down from adults and Mm -hmm. maybe it's just their, you know, acquaintances that are more their age or people Mm -hmm. that they don't know. Um, Most of, I kind of did this little poll at the place I work when I talked to my kids I work with and they all said they had a Finsta. Yeah. I taught a social media course last summer and 
um, in preparation for the course, I got, I had deleted my Instagram. So I got my Instagram back and I went to the explore page, which I had never been on before. And I went on there and there was a lot of nudes, but you can like click and say, see less of this, you know? So I kept clicking, see less of this till I didn't have any of that. And then I was preparing for a trip to Disneyland. And so I would click on Disney related stuff more often because I really wanted to make sure I got all the good treats. So what happened was that that explore page became no nudes, tons and tons of Disney account things. I went to Disneyland the day I got back. Instagram knew that I had like gone to California and come back and my trip was over. My explore page was a hundred percent populated with nudes again. It was crazy. So I actually like took two screenshots that we'll post in our stories of what my account looked like right before my trip and right after. And it was wild because you have a child who is really young who just clicks on that little magnifying glass and you have no idea what they're going to see. So like we had, we did tests and we created an account for like a 13 year old boy and the explore page was all nudes. We did it for like a 13 year old girl and most of it was like fashion bloggers and clothing stores and stuff like that with some nudes thrown in. So you really like have to be aware. It's not just who they follow, what they follow, It's also what's on that explore page. So you want them to stay off of that, but you can't monitor whether they're on that or not, which is really hard. But then also it just, Instagram is so fun. It can be so fun and wonderful, but like one of my clients I got on and the first picture on her feed was someone who had cut and took a picture of it. So it was literally like, like an R rated movie, gory picture that was of her friend cutting and her friend just posted that. And she's like, Oh yeah, she posts that like a couple times a week. And I was like, okay, well let's go talk to the counselor at the school and let's do all this because that's obviously my clients then being exposed to that regularly. And so I said, well, when, why don't you unfollow her? Well, I couldn't unfollow her cause then she would think I didn't like her anymore. And I'm like, but this is so bad for you. You know? So it's things like that that you don't realize that like these kids are just trying to be nice to other kids, but not realizing that it has a profound effect on them being exposed to stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Another thing to make sure to watch out for is um, YouTube. Yes. YouTube. Love what? YouTube. Yeah. And they will get sucked into all kinds of crazy things on there, especially vloggers. Cause vloggers are hard because they might start when they're like teenagers And your child might start watching them when they're a teenager, but then they're a young adult and they're doing young adult things and your child is still watching and you're not realizing that they're talking about things that are way above your child's ability to understand. And then apps like Roadblocks, um, like other gaming apps, kids will meet people from all over the world and talk to them and they have no idea. (laughs) I had one client who was like, yeah, my friend got her mom's credit card and bought $400 worth of stuff on Roblox. So she's grounded. (laughs) I was like, that is a parent's worst nightmare, literally. (laughs) So things like that you do want to watch out for. We're not only talking about social media. We're talking, there's a lot of things. Again, 
Um, note familiarizing yourself with the rating system. An MA rating on Netflix is the same as an R rating in real life. A lot of parents don't know that. So their child is watching something that's rated R because it's the new show that just came out, but they're 13 and it is way more than they can handle, you know. So make sure that you're familiarizing yourself with it. Don't be afraid to kind of go into the rabbit hole and do all of this research. You can also ask us questions. We've done some of the research before and we'll find out if we can. But really, as your child grows, your trust in them should grow and their exposure to things should grow. That's appropriate. You don't need to be afraid to let your child explore the internet. They're allowed to do that, but really you should have these good boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just think about exposure in general and what that does to kids. Like mm-hmm. you see something and you're alarmed and you don't want to see it and you want to be away from it. But then when it's coming at you all the time, it becomes part of your life. It becomes accepted. Yeah. You become desensitized to it. You're not worried or alarmed anymore. And then it oh, just yeah. is a part of your life, which is. I feel like if they had a friend who posted like a pretty scandalous picture they would just keep scrolling and it wouldn't bother them at all. Yeah. And they, they would tell me like, oh, well, I just like don't pay attention to it. And they don't, but also it still is getting in their brain on some level, mm-hmm. you know. And that's mm-hmm. where I do think that as parents, you have to have a lot of good boundaries. Okay, so as the parent, it is your job, your responsibility to Set appropriate boundaries for your kids. If you don't know what we mean by boundaries, we did an episode on it. So go listen to it. It's amazing. It's the greatest. So boundaries are so necessary and important. And especially around something like a phone, where if you have no rules or limits around it, that child can access tons of things that are above their ability to handle. If you have appropriate rules then your child can have a healthy relationship with their phone, with people through their phone, with the apps, social media, all of that stuff. So we're going to go through some of like our suggested rules and you guys can take it or leave it. It's totally up to you to make this decision, but we're going to give you some suggestions. So one suggestion that I tell the parents I work with is to not have their kids' phones in their kids' room at night. So Mm -hmm. to basically have their kid check in their phone an hour before bedtime uh, Mm -hmm. to their parents. So that's for a few reasons. One, if their kid is not being exposed to that blue light right before bed, it's going to help Mm -hmm. them fall asleep faster. And And then the teens are like, "Um, but my iPhone does orange light now. So yes, the night mode. Yeah. Don't fall for that. Parents just be like still it still is keeping your brain engaged and awake. So you yeah. need a break from it. Mm-hmm. And the the other reason is just if you allow them to have it in their room, they're way more likely to be on their phone till all hours of the night, staying up really they late. They will be. And teenagers need their sleep. Mm-hmm. And if they're, it's just going to be a really bad cycle if they're staying up all night on social media, who knows what they're doing and who they're talking to and what's going on. And then they're crabby, moody the next day. It just can create a whole slew of problems that could be avoided mm-hmm. if they just checked their phone into you every night and actually mm-hmm. do it. 
actually follow through and take their phone because yes, this no matter the fit that follows, yeah, no matter what kind of power struggle they try to engage or what manipulation they throw at you, it's really important to be consistent because then it will just become the norm in your house and eventually, hopefully, it wouldn't be a fight. Right. But of course, if they are like threatening suicide or cutting, then um, take it to a mental health professional and get your child help because there are some threats that need to be taken seriously. But also, that doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong. It just means that you need your child to get extra support because I have heard of kids who will do those things. And so get help if that is your child. But otherwise, if they're just like, oh, but I need it to fall asleep or I need it to listen to music, buy them an alarm clock that plays music. Win-win. You're set. That's like $5 at Walmart. You're done. I did have a client whose parents started enforcing this and it was really hilarious because she became a lot happier. She noticeably changed personalities and it was because she was getting an extra three to four hours of sleep that they didn't realize she was missing out on. Mm -hmm. So it's funny how they can handle life a lot easier when they get enough sleep. Yep. Okay. Another boundary would be having complete access to your child's phone. This is just part of parenting. It is in a lot of ways an invasion of privacy, but what child, children need to understand and parents need to understand is that it's not interesting to read through a teenager's texts. Eventually, you're not going to be reading every text, checking every Instagram DM, whatever, because you're going to know kind of what's happening. But every once in a while, you should do a full rundown, read every text, look at their browser history, Click on every app that they have. See what's in those apps. Make sure there's nothing hidden in there. You know, I tell parents the best way to know what your kids are doing online is to do it yourself. If you want to know if Fortnite is good for your kid to play, go and play Fortnite. Mm -hmm. There's no problem with that. And then you could be like, actually, you can't play it because I saw this, this and this in there. But they're just going to tell you what they you want to hear. So you really do have to like delve into it. If your child wants Snapchat, then get a Snapchat and see what's on there. You know, be smart about it. But you should set this boundary up before you ever buy your child a phone, hopefully. <laughs> but if you already have bought your child a phone and you haven't set this up, it's time to say, you know what? I got smarter. Just like you learn every day, I learned, and now I have a new rule for us, and that is that I need to have all of your passwords to everything. I need to be able to get into everything because I need to make sure that you are being safe to other people and other people are being safe with you. And that's really what it's about. It's not about the invasion of privacy. It's about making sure that your child is safe online. Yeah. And feel feel all right setting that boundary because at the end of the day, you are the one providing the phone and paying for it. So it's your property. You can be looking at it, checking in with it, making sure it's being used mm -hmm. as it should be. And if they bought it themselves, because kids will pull this too, right? Well, I bought it myself. You know, then you say it's part of parenting. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I can't. I'm not just going to, like, let you buy a car and then just, like, let you drive anywhere in the world you still have to check in with me. It's the same thing with a phone. You can own that phone and it does give you more rights, but also I still need to be checking in because that's what's okay. There does come a time, you know, when your child is in that 17, 18 phase where you might not be needing to 
because hopefully you've taught them good skills before that. But up until then, it really is something that you need to be doing. And it's good for your kid because they don't do things that are bad when they know you're going to see it. They will become more sneaky. And so that's where you have to be continually educating yourself too. Yeah. And there are different, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Are they websites or apps or things where you can monitor your kids' bones? Tons and tons of apps. Yeah, we'll throw up um, a post on our story of some of the most popular ones that people use. But we'll put up a list so that you can look at them. Because I do believe in monitoring apps. Um, They're important, especially ones that limit your child's screen time. Because like the screen time app, like he mentioned, will be like, do you want to keep going? And you can be like, yes, I want to keep going. Mm -hmm. But it's good to have apps that lock your child out completely so that they have to be done. Like they get a 15 minute warning, like you have 15 more minutes on Instagram for the day. But then once it's gone, it's done. They can't do anything to get it back, which I think is good because otherwise we just ignore it and keep going. That's just what we do. Yeah. And I feel like all for all of our listeners right now, I can I can imagine that some of the parents are like, oh, this is such good information. They're just anticipating the kind of like teenage size tantrum that will ensue yeah. once the contract comes in or once they start putting these boundaries on because they know that they're good for their kids, but they're just really not looking forward to that. And so I think that that's a good time to step back and remember that you know, we don't need to be our kids' best friends. Like we need to be their parents. And remembering like when you're dealing with these, you know, in in some ways negotiations and contracts and educating your kids and all this stuff on the things that you're wanting to do for them. I think it's really, really important just to remember that structure and boundaries are vital in parenting. And so you're showing your child that you are putting their safety above everything else, even how they feel about you which is really mm-hmm. tough as a parent when you feel like your kid genuinely does not like you at that time. That's really hard. But I think the greater message that you're sending to them is even though you don't like me right now, I care about you and love you so much that I will not compromise your safety. And that's why I'm doing this. And so those boundaries and that structure for those kids will sink in because kids crave structure. They crave it. They like to know what's going to happen when they do something. They like they the unknown is very scary for kids. So knowing their boundaries will be helpful even though sometimes they're really hard to implement. Yeah, they are. I mean, really your child will well, this is an invasion of privacy. Yeah. Why are you doing this, you know? But um I had a lot of parents that I knew that set really good rules like if you send a DM on Instagram and it disappears, that's not allowed because I need to be able to see what it was. Just send it so it doesn't disappear. Yeah. When you send one that disappears, I'm pretty sure you're trying to get around my rules. And that mm-hmm. makes me think that you're not ready to have Instagram. Yeah. But if you're not sending anything bad, like you say you aren't, just send it so it doesn't disappear, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that where kids need to learn that cause and effect and it takes so long I mean even still I'm like oh so when I stay up really late I'm groggy the next day oh my gosh okay yeah I have to remember that right but it is this thing where teenagers need to realize okay when I send this text and I allow my mom to see it 
she trusts me. Even if the text is stupid and says like, I love you so much, honey, you know, to my seventh grade boyfriend, at least my mom knows what I'm doing. And my mom is going to be okay with that, you know, Mm -hmm. because she knows it's above board. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a little bit embarrassing, but also your mom has seen tones of embarrassing things from you, your whole entire life. So it's not that big of a deal. You know, she still loves you. I think a few tantrums or maybe more than a few at the end mm-hmm. of the day are going to be worth suffering through to make sure your kid's safe than the alternative of, oh, I didn't set those boundaries and now we're in a really bad situation. Right. You just found out that your daughter sent a nude to someone or your soon your son solicited a nude, you know, and then you're like, whoa, how did we get here? Well, if you just give a child a phone and don't monitor anything well, and I so be smart lot of time like trying to recognize or establish when our kids are ready for the smartphone okay is my kid ready are they ready to do all these things are they ready to respect all these boundaries but listening to jessica talk about all these things that she teaches parents it really is am i ready to get my kid a smartphone because this is a huge commitment i'm like i'm thinking about all the things that you're like okay you gotta so go much through the time app. so much effort oh, you gotta go through the apps you gotta follow through with your boundaries you gotta be really on top of it so if you're just like no, I'm not in a place where I can do that. That is so much extra work right now. Then don't get your kid the phone yet. Like This isn't all on them. It's on you too. So it's good to evaluate both of your situations and your circumstances and your emotional c- capacity to follow through and to mm-hmm. see if you're ready for that change as well. Yeah. That's a super good point, Tay, because I was going to say another boundary when we're talking about boundaries is that you have boundaries with yourself. Mm -hmm. So you are modeling for your child, those good boundaries of how, how long am I on my phone? Am I on my phone when I'm spending time with my kid? Am I talking about how much I hate social media and screens while I'm on social media using screens? Because if we're sending our kids all of these mixed signals, one, they're going to be really confused (laughs) And two, they're just going to think that the boundaries we set don't mean anything because we've all been there being teenagers. You know, our parents could tell us not to do something, but if we see them doing it, then we say, well, you do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to them, it's so logical. And as a parent, it's like, well, I'm an adult. But, you know, as a teenager, that doesn't really register. Mm -hmm. So we have to have those boundaries with ourselves as well. Well, and I really like when we were, we were talking before we started recording and KJ said something really good. She, when she was talking about noticing your own, um, your own behavior, she said like, oh, if you're on your phone and your Instagram limit is up, you can say, oh, my limit's up for the day. I'm going to put this away. And in my mind, I really like the fact that she was verbalizing that out loud <laughs> saying like, oh, this is up. I'm going to respect this and put this away. Cause I think about it for my young kids, you know, say I'm doing something in my, like a lot, I don't know. I try to do mine try being the operative word here which is good you try try. i try to do mine like in the morning before they get up during their nap time and then like after they go to bed but there are a lot of days where i don't do that and so i think that sometimes if it's when they're awake and a limit comes up like verbalizing that out loud saying okay i'm done with my phone today and like putting it away so like i'm thinking about scout my four-year-old can see me doing that and see me like putting it up it away somewhere up high and then like going to her and being like, I'm going to be with you. I think that just sounds a really good message. Yeah. And Jessica gave this example of how 
you know, a teen said, you know, my mom tells me not to text and drive, but then she does it. The same thing. <laughs> you so know? true. It's that double standard. We don't want to yeah. confuse our kids with double standards. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are some, because obviously, it, yeah. that are mm-hmm. fine because you're an adult. But when it comes to phones, that's a yeah, little bit exactly. of a gray area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some like I can watch an R-rated movie because I am over seventeen, and you can't because you're thirteen. Mm-hmm. But if I'm saying you can't be on social media, but I can, that is not a that's a true double standard. Like, nah, yeah. that's not how it works. Sorry, yeah. mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we want to give you guys like a couple of quick tips. So these are kind of, those were kind of our boundaries, but really, I think what Taylor said is smart. You need to recognize when you're ready for your child to have screens, but really it should be a slow progression through their life where you're building trust with them. And then when they have that trust, they can go to the next level, right? So we're not doing screens for young kids because that is not what the pediatric association recommends, right? But Once they're like eight to 10, you might say, okay, I can get them a tablet that has a few apps they can play on. And then when they're 12 to 13, then we might get like a flip phone so they can communicate with their friends and I know where they are. And then when they're maybe 14 to 16, we're going to give them so, you know, a phone, but only like one social media site, you know, and it really is like, as they show that they can handle that, then you can upgrade it and get something new. Okay, guys, so we are at the end of our episode. We have a couple of takeaways for you guys. The first one is to go set some boundaries for your children's phones if you haven't already. Uh, Jessica talked about a contract. You can do a contract with your kids so that they know exactly what's expected of them and what you will be doing in return. So explore that. And the second one would be notice your own behaviors. Just start by noticing how much you're on your phone how much your kids see you on your phone, when you go on your phone, why you feel like you're going on your phone if you're doing it a lot. Notice how that comes off to your kids and all of your own behaviors so you become more self-aware with your own screen time use. Peace out. A-Town down. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Bloopers. Bloopers. Man, that song was my... Jam. <laughs> I used to just like, man, freak it up all over that oh. gymnasium floor with that Did song. Did you? I know that KJ oh. used to do that. Oh my gosh, you guys, I was the freaking master. Oh you were correct. <laughs> I've been I singing, was correct. I've been singing man. that song wrong for my man. entire adolescence. That yes, was like my. Knows. That was like it's my jam, theme song. <laughs> Giving <laughs> all the credit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>